All right, all right, all right. It is Saturday, December 17th, 2022. And my name is Feed965. Yes, that's F E D. 965. And uh, welcome to Baby Blue. Let's go. Let's go. I said, let's go. And, uh, you know, speaking of going, the price of uh, Bitcoin is 16,710 USD with a volume of 35 BTC. And the block height is uh, 767792. And of course, one Bitcoin is equal to one Bitcoin. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And um, going to my book, um, we have 836 days left. Yes, we do. This wouldn't do. And, um, you know, uh, well, I've already crossed off the, the you know, the days, uh, you know, from, um, you know, the, uh, the Spanish language, uh, uh, episode this morning. So it's already been crossed off. It was crossed off this morning with a black pen. Um, so, you know, if you want to know the details of that, I suggest that you, uh, well, you, uh, make sure that you, uh, you know, know Spanish and, uh, you know, listen to the, uh, you know, the previous episode, uh, the previous day. When I say the previous episode, I mean today's episode, but, you know, previously today. And of course, uh, the book is a leather bound black leather. That would be my book. Um... And speaking of my t-shirt, my t-shirt today is, you know, remember that t-shirt that's, um, it's got those, you know, white and black and orange horizontal stripes, uh, and they are different sizes, um, uh, what's, uh, the, the white stripe is, well, there's two white stripes actually, because um, in this negative space here, so we got the thick white stripe, and then we got um, a black stripe. I would say um, it's uh, not that thick, and it is followed up by a uh, a white stripe of the same thickness as that black stripe. Um, so there are the two small stripes, and then there's a medium uh, stripe, and that would be an orange stripe. So that's what we're dealing with here today. Oh, by the way, I'm also wearing uh, blue and white uh, gym shorts. Yeah, with uh, white uh, socks with a blue uh, logo. And my legs are underneath the covers. I've got a pillow behind my lower back. I'm looking out the French window, uh, which is currently closed. Um, uh, if you don't know how French windows operate, or if you don't know what a French window is, 
I suggest that you listen to a previous episode. Uh, not When I say previous episode, I don't mean previously today. In this case, I am talking about a previous episode. Um, uh, you're going to have to you know go one by one to really see which one I am referring to. There's a few different ones where I go... You know, over the in and outs of, of the French window. Uh, so I suggest you do that. And then, you know, you'll be, you know, ready for today's episode. So let's just make sure you do that. Let's uh, stop listening if you haven't done that. Go do that. Come back. Okay. So with that, I think, we you know, we've covered all of our bases. Um, and, uh, you know, it's time to, you know, just... Uh, you know, uh, to see what's going on in the news, in the world. You know what I mean? I said, you know what I mean? So, uh, first off, we've got from the New York Post. Death toll at Malaysia campsite landslide rises to 2310. Still missing. Oh, my God. That is horrible. From the Guardian, Russia-Ukraine war at a glance. What we know on day 297 of the invasion from the Washington Post. Angelina Jolie parts with UN refugee agent. Excuse me. Angelina Jolie parts with UN refugee agency over desire to, quote, work differently, end quote. Huh. Uh, from The Guardian. Tunisia election set to deliver male-dominated parliament and erosion of women's rights. Absolutely horrible. Absolutely horrible. Um, from BBC News, Peru protests, high-level talks amid deepening crisis. From CNN, hundreds of tourists stranded in Machu Picchu amid Peru protests. Whoa. Um, from ABC News, massive aquarium at Berlin Hotel burst, injuring two and causing loss of about 1,500 fish. I did see this, um, and I did cover it um and, um, you know, uh, the previous podcast. And when I say previous, in this case, I am referring to, uh, you know, previously today. From Reuters, Putin uh, sounds out uh, military commanders on Ukraine. Yeah. And, of course, it just goes on and on and on and on and on, does it not? And it does. And it does. It does. It does. Here's the thing. Um, now that, you know, we've done that, um, here's the thing. Oh yeah. Recap for the day. Uh, I did, you know, uh, take out, uh, Rioja for a walk bright and early this morning, though it was after, you know, recording the, you know, the previous podcast. And of course, when I say previous, I am referring this time to the, uh, you know, previously today, the Spanish language, podcast um and then took out Rioja for a uh a nice walk uh you know met a few different dogs a few different people um uh, <clears throat> and then eventually circled back home <clears throat> and um after which i you know proceeded to go on a run it was really fantastic uh, uh yeah really fantastic um you know, really put the day in perspective as well as the night. I mean, that's what it's all about, is it not? The answer is it is. And so, yeah, after which, uh, you know, took a shower, uh, made myself some uh, food. And now, here we are. And uh, here's the thing. I thought about, 
<clears throat> giving us a break. I thought about it, no, but then I was like, nope, nope. Uh, we don't deserve a break. How about that? We haven't earned a break. How about that? Um, so, you know, hopefully we will be deserving of a break soon. And, uh, you know, I do have faith in us that we will earn a break. But at the moment, we have not. Okay, so that's why we are continuing our analysis of the apocalypse. This will be part four. And if there's anybody that uh, is listening and that hasn't, you know, listened to parts one through three at least seven times um well then you know i am highly disappointed in you but um i am giving you this chance right now to pause this episode and um you know uh and do that okay and do what has to be done and once you've done that you know you can circle back to this one uh, but until then, you're really out of your element, okay? So let's just, um, and I'm sure some of you are going to stay, and, you know, I know you're going to stay, even though you're not supposed to, but, um, you know, I guess that's just the way humanity works, is it not? And speaking of humanity and uh, intelligence, and, you know, ultra-intelligence and you know, super-intelligence. Let's just uh, pick up where we left off here. And we are, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, during a dive at the moment, we've moved from the Book of Revelation, you know, diagonal, um, probably, um, I don't know if it's to the left or to the right, but it is probably a, a diagonal. Might actually be... Um, a diagonal in a three-dimensional space, actually, not a not a two D diagonal, but a you know three D diagonal. Uh, it's question is, is it up and to the right, or is it down and to the left? Might be something else entirely. There is a lot of other, you know, angles there to be uh, explored. Point being that we're looking at the emergence of super intelligence here uh, from Wikipedia. A superintelligence, hyperintelligence, or superhuman intelligence is a hypothetical agent that possesses intelligence far surpassing that of the brightest and most gifted human minds. Superintelligence may also refer to the form or degree of intelligence possessed by such an agent. John von Neumann, Bernard Engine, and Ray Kuzewil define the concept in terms of the technological creation of superintelligence arguing that it is difficult or impossible for present-day humans to predict what human beings' lives would be like in a post-singularity world. Technology forecasters and researchers disagree regarding when or whether human intelligence will likely be surpassed. Some argue that advances in artificial intelligence, AI, will probably result in general reasoning systems that bypass human cognitive limitations. Others believe that humans will evolve or directly modify their biology so, so, so as to achieve radically greater intelligence. This is what we were talking about before. A number of future studies, future study scenarios combine these possibilities, suggesting that humans are likely to interface with computers or upload their minds to computers in a way that enables substantial intelligence amplification. The book, The Age of M, by Robin Hanson, outlines a future in which uploads of human brains emerge instead of we're on the way to the emergence of superintelligence. Yeah, this is where it all gets really, you know, tricky, does it not? 
non-AI singularity. Some writers use the singularity in a broader way to refer to any radical changes in our society brought about by new technology such as molecular nanotechnology. Although Vinch and other writers specifically state that without superintelligence, such changes will not qualify as a true singularity. And uh, okay, speed superintelligence. A speed superintelligence describes an AI that can function like a human mind only much faster. For example, with a million-fold increase in the speed of information processing relative to that of a human's, a subjective year would pass in 30 physical seconds. Yes, you've heard that right. 30 physical seconds. Such a difference in information processing speed could drive the singularity. And see, then, so this is where it all gets, you know, really tricky because we are talking about a, uh, you know, a shift in consciousness. Um, and the question, though, being, though, is a, you know, AI a shift in consciousness uh, as in, you know, a rise of a new consciousness or is it simply, you know, a faster machine or, you know, a, a machine that can, uh, that can, uh, you know, uh, do things very well. Um, but is that actually consciousness? Because what exactly is consciousness? Um, I mean... Is it the ability to create art and that has been, you know, one of the, you know, uh, ways that people have described consciousness. That it is the ability to engage in creative effort that seems to have no, you know, um, utility, okay? Or at least not a utility that can be easily grasped because it, it seems to be almost a pointless endeavor, I mean, why, you know, waste uh, calories, right? Because, um, you know, you you need uh, you need to eat. And, of course, you're, if you're engaging in something, you know, like art, that means that you have uh, an abundance of calories uh, unless you're a starving artist, in which case that is the, uh, the idea that uh, there is something beyond, you know, that we've talked about this, a transcendental, that you know is perhaps more powerful than um you know uh, uh these uh well then then eating and then you know that uh then engaging in you know perhaps activities that would improve one's lifestyle and instead one uh you know chooses to engage in uh you know something else question is why and is that it? And that is very peculiar to humans. Okay, that's the number one. And this is what I'm trying to drive at here. That so that is very. Um, other, as far as I know, there is no other. You know, a life form, uh, at least on Earth, that we are aware of, that you know will um will, will decide to um. It is better to starve and and you know engage in a. Uh, in a, you know, a creative endeavor than, uh, than to go get food or, you know, and then to go get, uh, um, you know, you, you know what I'm trying to say here. Uh, no other, every other uh, creature will, has the drive to, um, you know, first, um, you know, make sure that they're well fed and then of course to reproduce. Um, I mean, that is, I mean, I know that there is, um, uh, there is, uh, these, 
there have been studies that um i think it's uh orcas dolphins you know chimpanzees and i'm sure that magpies perhaps magpies um and you know I'm sure there's other ones as well that you know have been shown to you know perhaps engage in you know uh you know definitely play definitely play and you know perhaps other um you know things that could be you know considered you know creative endeavors you know more of a you know of an artistic endeavor but you know as far as i know i don't think there's been any studies that show that they will do this um when they're uh you know malnourished or in not a uh in a good uh you know uh, state of uh you know of well-being that it is definitely a very much a uh a secondary thing um whereas uh, it seems that only humans will you know engage in something um as you know you know like art or creative or another creative endeavor to such an extent that uh they will you know forsake everything else Everything else, you know, live on the street, you know, whatever. I think you see what I'm saying. So this is what, the point that I'm trying to, you know, I'm circling back to, you know, what we're saying here is if AI is a new consciousness, in my view, it would have to um, be able or would have to have the desire perhaps to do something like that. Uh, of course, not going to be exactly the same, but... You know, instead, it would have to, <clears throat> I guess it would have to be able to put its um, its livelihood at risk in order to engage in something creative. How about that? Yeah, I like that. How about that? That would be, to me, a, a good... You know, that to me would be like a clear case, a clear case that AI is, um, you know, conscious. It is, that is the, for me, and I, I like that a lot. I don't think I've uh, I've heard that one, um, that uh, it would have to engage at the risk of its own livelihood in a creative endeavor. How about that? Um, then, because if not, then it is just a very a better machine, oh, or it is. But well, then again, it could be, or it's an animal, because like we're saying, um, that's interesting. But it is not. Uh, speaking of animals, Rioja's here, and I don't know if he wants a ball or something that's underneath the bed, but. Um, yeah, that is definitely interesting. I'm well, thinking about it because then, I mean, the same reasoning would apply to the, um, you know, um, to you know what we're saying. Would only humans engage in, um, in, uh, you know, a creative endeavor at the risk of, uh, you know, uh, perishing or death, starvation. Um, so you know, the question then becomes. Is AI um, actually closer to, you know, the an animal, um, and we're just we're putting humans in a different category at the moment. Even though, of course, 
humans are animals, but we're putting them in a different category. This has been, you know, thought of by many great philosophers, you know, from Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, the, the pre-Socratics, of course, as well. And, of course, then going all the way, you know, to Kierkegaard and Hegel and... Um, uh, you know, we could just keep listing them off, but you know, there's really no reason to do that at the moment. Um, the point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, humans have this very unique um, and uh, very unique, you know, property, I guess, is that um, this whole idea of the starving artist. Um, it's a very... I think it's a fascinating idea that really sets humans apart and and perhaps that sets us apart from AI as well from AI and the other animals as well and you know really humans are you know we are our own thing and the question is that um with this ability would AI even come close to uh you know to matching or, you know, uh, I guess our powers, because of course there are people, this is, this is, you know, we're circling back or lateraling or perhaps we're moving diagonal. Actually, I'm moving forward. Actually, probably it's a diagonal up. It's a diagonal up forward. So if you're thinking about 3d space, we're doing a you know, diagonal from the origin. Let's say, uh, let's do 30 degrees up and just forward. And so we're dealing with right here. Um, because we have this whole, you know, the implications, you know, right, that, um, that, you know, some people are, are scared of AI, right? Some people think that, uh, you know, AI will eradicate, uh, you know, humanity. Um, and then other people think that, well, that's not necessarily the case. And, well, I'm now, you know, um, intrigued by this idea of, well... You know, whether or not, you know, humans are eradicated, um, the question is, does, is AR, or excuse me, is AI capable of, you know, being a starving artist? That's really the question here. It's really it. Um, and, um, you know, I think that's that's a good part to to leave it. Uh, I think for today, um, of course, then we could also get in not only to AI, but we could you know think also of um, religion um, and um, you know the transcendental. You know, what is AI's relationship? to uh, the divine i mean this is very close to you know the artistic endeavors um you know when we're thinking of you know saints and um and uh, martyrs right or um let's say you know monks or friars or you know like the, the ascetic lifestyle of uh you know the early christian um uh the desert the the desert um i'm talking about the desert fathers i think let's see what the what they're called exactly now but they were there from, from the early christian um uh, um 
Uh, let's see if we can look this up here for the Desert Fathers. Yeah. Uh, the de reading from Wikipedia. The Desert Fathers or Desert Monks were early Christian hermits and ascetics who lived primarily in the city's desert of the Roman province of Egypt beginning around the 3rd century A.D. The Apolgemeta Patrum is a collection of the wisdom of some of the early desert monks and nuns in print as sayings of the Desert Fathers. The first Desert Father was Paul of Thebes, and the most well-known was Anthony the Great, who moved to the desert in A.D. 270 to 271 and became known as both the father and founder of desert monasticism. By the time Anthony had died in A.D. 356, thousands of monks and nuns had been drawn to living in the desert following Anthony's example, leading his biographer, Athenaeus of Alexandria, to write that the desert had become a city. The desert fathers had a major influence on the development of Christianity. The desert monastic communities that grew out of the informal gatherings of hermit monks became the model for Christian monasticism. The eastern monastic tradition at Mount Athos and the western rule of St. Benedict both were strongly influenced by the traditions that began in the desert. All of the monastic revivals of the Middle Ages looked to, to the desert for inspiration and guidance. Much of eastern uh, Christian spirituality, including the Hesychus movement, had its roots in the practices of the desert fathers. Even religious renewals such as the German Evangelicals and pietists in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, uh, also known as Pennsylvania, uh, the Devotio Moderna movement and the Methodist revival in England are seen by modern scholars as being influenced by the Desert Fathers. Exactly. And um, see, this is what I'm talking about. Now, what other animal uh, will do that? Um, will AI do that? Will it be capable of doing that? That's the real question. That's the real question. How about that? So that, that's really, you know, uh, you know, keep thinking about this and we'll definitely pick up, you know, with this either tomorrow or Monday, perhaps Tuesday. We'll see how things progress. Depends on the movement of the stars, the heavenly bodies. And, you know, also depends on, you know, our gut. Okay. And, uh, you know, with that, uh, I think I'm going to take a siesta, as they say here in España. And, um, you know, uh, go from there. Um, you know, hopefully everyone is having a fantastic Saturday. And if you're not, I will uh, pray for you. And we should all pray together. Yeah. Exactly. And with that, um, I will uh, see you soon.